Good morning, welcome. Great to have you online as well. What a great worship service we've had thus far. I believe that people were really experiencing the presence of God in your life. And you know, the presence of God in our life is, is uh, not just to make us feel good, good in the moment, it is to transform our lives for the future as well. God is working here today, and I'm very grateful for that. Glad to have you here this morning. So we have been exploring Jesus. I can think of no better person, no better one to explore than to explore the Lord Jesus Christ and to understand him. And we've been using Luke's gospel as a means by which we can study the life of Jesus. And uh, I believe that uh, it, is, it is having a, a great effect on us. I know for me, as I read those passages each day, it touches my heart. And uh, I've got something out of that that I want to share with you today. Now, we've been following a great custom of the church. It's actually been uh, something that churches has, have done for centuries of time, and that is to stand during the reading of the gospel. So could I ask you to stand with me right now? And we're going to read two passages, two passages from the book of Luke. And as we have been doing for the past couple of weeks, when you see the yellow lettering, that is your opportunity to read with gusto and read aloud. I love to hear the congregation read aloud. So I'll read, I'll start off, and when you see the yellow font, that's your opportunity to read. Now, I'm going to start off Luke 7, which happens to be tomorrow's reading. Luke 7, verse 11 through 17. Would you listen to every word? Look and listen to every word right now. So it says, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Now, the second passage is from Luke chapter uh, 22, verses 24 through 27. Luke 22, verses 24 through 27. And again, I want you to read on the yellow font. It starts off and says, Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. Yet I am among you as the one who serves. 
This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Some great things in these two passages. You may be seated. Thank you for reading. I appreciate that very much. So what is the goal of studying the life of Jesus? What is the goal of studying the life of Jesus? To me, there's a deepening progression of reasons why. If I was to start at the most basic level, I would say, one, to gain a basic knowledge of who he was and what he did. And there certainly is nothing wrong with that, to have a basic knowledge of who he was and what he did. But I would say, if you're going to go to the next level, it would be to be inspired and encouraged by the things that he did. So it's not just a basic knowledge, but you you read about him and you say, wow, that touches my heart. There's something about that that I see in Jesus that moves me, that inspires me. But I don't think we should stop there. I would say the next level would be to be changed by the person and work of Christ. As we read about Jesus, then we realize, wow, I want this to change my life. You see, uh, no studying in my mind is complete unless there is an application to your life. We need to apply the truths and the things that we're learning. So as we make the application, then this level says, this is changing me. Uh, Not just basic knowledge, not just inspired, I think this is pretty awesome, but it's really changing my heart. Something's happening inside of me. And that's what the Word of God does, by the way. But then I would say there is a fourth level, which I want to talk about today, to me is very important, and it would be this to be imitators and examples of who Jesus was and is. Now, my focus today is exactly that. I want to talk to you about how we can be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. It's an old chorus that we used to sing. I know many of you would remember that chorus. Many would not, perhaps. But to be like Jesus is my focus today, is what I want to talk about. We desire, what does that mean? We desire to see evidence in our lives, things that truly reflect Jesus Christ to others. Now, when you hear that, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit, you might, you might think, you might think that that is preposterous. Like, really? Who do you think I am? You know, me to be like Jesus? Do you know who we're talking about here? The Son of God, Son of Man, the Savior of the world? I am certainly not those things. So when you say, for me to be like Jesus, it may seem a bit preposterous. Or it could even seem a bit arrogant. Or it could even seem a bit impossible. Say, I don't know if I can really be like Jesus. Well, I hope to convince you that this is valid, that this is real, that we are actually as followers of Christ, as Christians, to be Christ-like, and that it is not impossible, but it is possible as the Spirit of Christ works in and through us. Now, if, if it was to mean that we could have his divine attributes, then I would definitely say that's preposterous. I would definitely say it's impossible on certain level, and I would definitely say that that is just arrogant. We'll never have his divine attributes. He is divine. We, we are human. Of course, Jesus was both man and God, but he was the divine son of God as we know. 
And so when we talk about being like Jesus, we are talking about his character being reflected in and through our life, which is what we are going to talk about today. And I hope the Holy Spirit will move in this place this morning and take what I am saying and apply it to your heart so that when we walk out those doors today, as followers of Christ, we will have foremost in our mind this belief and this value and this desire that I can reflect Jesus Christ to the world. And not only can I, but I must reflect him in my life. Now, there's a popular saying that you read in a lot of books if you read about church and culture and how they interact and so on. You've probably seen this statement before that many of today's generation like Jesus, but they don't like the church. You've probably heard that statement. You've heard it expressed, that sentiment expressed in various ways. You know, I've been intrigued by that statement. And I've also been bothered by that statement. Because there's something very bothersome about that. Because if we as Christians are the body of Christ, which we are, which we are, then why is there this disconnect? Why is that a factor? Why is that a sentiment in popular culture? Now, I know there's probably many nuances to that and things that should be examined. Like, for example, uh, when I read that statement, I think, well, what do they mean they like Jesus? Now, not that I want to be too suspicious. I believe there is a spiritual hunger and people are very sincere when they say that. I'm not going to, as Pastor Werner said, go out there with a judgmental attitude. But I do have to ask the investigative question, what do you mean you like Jesus but you don't like the church? Well, what do you know about Jesus? Do you take Jesus as just a good buddy, a good guy? You know, what a friend we have, kind of. Or do you see him as the Lord and Savior and the Redeemer for your sin? Do you see him as the one who calls you to repentance or a sacrificial life of service? You know, do you still like Jesus when you see the whole package? Not that there's anything to hide, not that there's anything bad about Jesus in the closet that, you know, oh, surprise, he's not as good as you thought he was. No, no, it's nothing like that. But I wonder when they say, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church, I wonder what they really mean by that. But then I also ask, well, what was your experience with the church? Now, I am not so naive uh, and uh, blind to stand up here and say, oh, I don't think that's quite possible that anybody could ever have a bad experience with the church. Unfortunately, yes, it has happened and it does happen. I'm sad to say. But it still bothers me. And when I read this and I, I try to dig into this thought, you know, uh, that they like Jesus but not the church. I see both a sad truth, but I also see an encouraging truth. The sad truth is that there is a disconnect, obviously, and it leads me to ask this question, what am I going to do about that? Well, let me ask you, what are you as a follower of Christ going to do about that? And it leads me to ask, you know, does this really matter to me? And do I understand myself as the hands and feet of Jesus, so to speak, figuratively? Do I understand what it means to be reflective of Christ to the world? And if this is a real thing in culture, then yes, indeed, it should bother me. Because the more they know Jesus, the more 
they should appreciate the church. And the more they know his followers, the more they should love him. Wouldn't you say that is the logical sequence? So it does bother us. But what is the encouraging truth? The encouraging truth is we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to reflect Christ to this world. And if there are some, and yes there are, some fractures in the relationship between the church and culture and Jesus and the church and culture and how those all interact, then we have indeed an opportunity to bring some healing. There is a spiritual hunger. They do like what they know about Jesus. And so we have the opportunity to reflect, truly reflect Christ to the world and to bring down some of those illusions that the church, bad, Jesus, good. No, hold on a second. I know some church folks. I know some Christians. And they begun to change my feeling or my mind about that. I do see Christ in their life. What a golden opportunity. Let me say this, and this is the core of what I want to say today. And I'm not going to be too long, so listen carefully. Here's the core. The greatest witness for Christ is found in the personification, and I love that word, the personification of the character of Jesus by those who claim him as their Lord and Savior. This is what we mean when we say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to reflect him to my co-workers. I want my family to see all that's good about Jesus in the way I follow him, in the way I interact, in the things I do in community. Because I know that religious edicts or rules or institutions necessarily, if it's just that alone, will not truly reflect the heart of Christ the way it should. We know it won't, but our lives lived in the presence of God, reflecting Christ, people will say, I see Christ in your life. To me, one of the greatest compliments that you could ever be paid is not to be complimented for your talents or your abilities or, yes, even your good looks. As we were reminded of this morning in the greeting time, but one of the greatest compliments that could ever be paid, especially, I'm obviously talking to those who are followers of Christ, is for somebody to say, I learned about Jesus by watching your life. You reflected to me what I see and understood Jesus to be. And lo and behold, the more I got to see and to know you and the spirit of Christ that worked in and through your life, it created in me an appetite and a thirst to want to know the Jesus that you follow. That's the goal. And so, you know, how do we do this? Well, I don't have time in the next few minutes, 10 minutes, to unpack how we do this, but I do want to whet your appetite a little bit. I would say two things. Number one, a complete surrender of our lives to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 
If you truly want the life of Christ to be reflected in your life, you've got to give up your life. You've got to surrender your life to him. Jesus said you've got to lose your life in order to save it. To reflect Christ, it means a surrender of your life to Christ. And secondly, I would say we must abide in Jesus as the source of our spiritual life. You see... I'm glad that people would love the experience of this community. I'm glad that people would love the music that you hear. I would, I'm glad that you would love the activities that you might partake in, you know, as a part of this My Street family. That's all pretty awesome. And you are certainly welcome to enjoy it and to love it and to be a part and feel like you're part of the family. That's pretty awesome. But I can't stop there. The most important mission of the church is not to get you to like us, which is awesome, as awesome as that is. The most important mission of the church is for you to truly surrender your life to Christ and to be a reflection. It's truly to be a branch that is attached to the vine, like Jesus said in John chapter 15. It is truly not just to have a knowledge about Christ, but to have Christ living inside of you and his life flowing in and through you. This is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is the essence of what it means to be like Jesus. I wish I could name some names here, but I, I won't because there'd be too many. You say, oh, you're being a flatterer. No, I'm not. I'm, being, I'm telling you the truth. But I know several here, as I'm, I'm looking at you as I sweep across the congregation. I say truly and sincerely that when I've observed your life, I've observed something that is Christ-like. And it has inspired me to want to follow Jesus all the more. And I thank you for reflecting the life of Christ to others. So what do we see in Jesus? And again... Let me just whet your appetite because I don't have time to unpack all of this. But what do we see in Jesus? I guarantee this first one is probably something that all of you thought of. Number one, I would say he was compassionate. He was compassionate. We read about it today. When, our, when the Lord saw her, the widow, the, her son who had died, he had compassion on her, her brokenness, her weeping, her, her devastation. And he said to her, do not weep. He had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Jesus was compassionate. One of the, what, you say, well, where do I start? It's not complicated, folks. It's really, especially with God's help working in and through us, we can have that same compassion that Christ had. And we can express that compassion for the broken, for those who are wounded, for those who need healing. He was compassionate. The second thing I would say, that he was a servant. He was a servant. We read it today. I am among you as one who serves. You know, one of the greatest joys that I derive from being a part of this family here at Smythe Street is to learn about the things that people do behind the scenes to serve and to bless others. Honest and true, when I, when I find out about stuff like that, I think, wow, that is so Christ-like. I appreciate public ministry 
you know, you know, something that is more visible, you know, what happens here. It's, it's all beautiful, it's wonderful. I don't mean to create sort of a divide. It's not really meant to be a, a, some kind of a divide. We're all together in worship, all together in serving. But some things that people do in serving can tend to be a little more public, a little more visible. Can I tell you something right now? In the eyes of God, there is not a prioritization He does not prioritize things that are done in public or things that are done in private. In fact, I would probably say that if he was to prioritize those things, he probably would put more credence and value on the things that are done privately. I would say, because he said even a cup of cold water given in the name of a disciple will not be without its reward. Jesus was a servant. He was willing to do things that others maybe weren't so quick to do or didn't want to do, like wash their dirty feet. Jesus was a servant. When you came in today, now yes, this is, an, this is unabashedly a, an advertisement right now. No, it's not an advertisement. Things like this, helping hands. We have people, this is a great team of people who love to serve And it's a growing team. We have probably over 20 people now. We're revitalizing, re-energizing, and re-envisioning what's happening. These people do so many good things to serve the body of Christ. And they're looking for new people to be a part of the team. Here is an opportunity for you to talk to someone in the foyer. Find Lyndon Kneebone or anyone who has one of these brochures called Helping Hands and say, I'd like to serve. Is there something? And trust me, the opportunities are abundant. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus was a servant. I quickly wrote down a list. I could have, I could have probably doubled this or tripled this list. But, you know, it's, it's not rocket science. What was Jesus like? He was compassionate towards people in need. He was not repulsed or disgusted with people's sin or brokenness. Now let me pause there just for a moment. The word disgust is a pretty abrasive word. I hope nobody's ever looked at you and said, you're disgusting or you disgust me. How horrible. It feels even traumatic just to even say it publicly. It's just an awful word. But, you know, or, or to feel repulsed by someone. That, that's a terrible thing. And especially for the followers of Christ. We know the destructiveness of sin and things that people can attach to their life and how it can destroy. So that'll never change. We understand that. But I'm not talking about If we model the life of Jesus, he never saw anybody as someone he was disgusted with or repulsed by in the sense that they were not worthy of love or not worthy of the human touch or not worthy of his time. He was never disgusted with people. He loved people. He loved them in their brokenness. He always took time for people. He did not seek for fame or prominence. He took the time to hear the concerns and inquiries of the spiritually hungry. He did not shy away from the educated or the intellectual or the socially or politically powerful. He loved all people. He was a friend of sinners. He refused to allow racial or gender bias to shape how he felt about people. 
all people mattered, all people were loved, all people needed a savior, all people were to be loved by God because they were created in the image of God. When I think about Jesus Christ and I think of who he was, yes, as preposterous as it may sound, and yes, without his help, as impossible as it may sound, yet I move through that and I say to myself, and I trust you are praying this prayer today as well. Jesus, I see who you are, and I want to be like you. I want people to see Christ in me. I want to reflect who my Lord and Savior is. He's not just a good buddy. He's not just someone on the sideline. No, no, he's everything. And for me and for you in community, to community, to reflect Christ is the essence of Christianity. To reflect Jesus to those who need him, those who are broken. This is our mission. Amen? I'm going to ask the band to come, and I'm going to transition into a conclusion here. I also want to say that this also is crucial. Here's what it is. That in our desire to be like Jesus, it is crucial, it is, it is non-negotiable as Christians that we maintain a biblical and exalted view and understanding of who Jesus is. There is no compromise for Christians. There is, no, there is no other way. We see Jesus as the Lord and Savior, as Creator God, as the one by whom all things were made. And He is central to everything we do in the ministry of this church. If, and by the grace of God we won't, but if that was to ever be compromised or shifted or changed or devalued, then a great travesty, a great tragedy has, has taken place. Because everything we do, every song we sing, every sermon we preach, every, every, any kind of service we give, every child we teach, every young person we love and embrace, every interaction we have with one another, I'm going to tell you what is at the very core of what we as Christians do. And it is that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the one we have surrendered our lives to. He is the one we follow. He is the one we love. He is the one we serve. And he is the one we want to be seen in our life. If I get you to like me, or others get you to like you know, some of the leadership team, and, and, or you like other people, that's nice. That's great. I'm glad. I wouldn't want anybody to hate me, although I shouldn't be so protective, you know. I hope I wouldn't compromise something valuable for that. But sure, it's nice to be liked. But if all we've ever done is to get you to like a pastor, or to like a teacher, or to like a song leader, or to like a program, or like, then we have failed. We have failed because Jesus Christ is at the center 
of everything we do. And our mission is to reflect him. His values, his words, his truth, and who he is. He was not just a good moral teacher. He is the Lord of all. I love this verse. Listen carefully to every word. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body. The church who is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have the preeminence. Would you say that last phrase with me everyone together? That in all things he may have the preeminence. We give preeminence to Jesus Christ. We give all of the glory to Jesus Christ. He is the one we would die for. He is the one and the only one to be exalted. If you are a Christian and you are going to be Christ-like and you're going to follow Christ, you cannot deny this reality. I don't know what you would be, but you would not be a Christian. Because Christians put Christ before everything, before everyone. They place Christ at the preeminent, most preeminent and prominent place in their life. He is everything. He is everything. And so, you know, when I think about reflecting Christ in my life, sure, I think I'm reflecting him when I help somebody move out of homelessness into a home. By the way, folks, this week, that's happening again. We need some help. We need somebody with a pickup truck. We need somebody with, that can lift a few pieces of furniture. Help us move somebody out of, out of homelessness into a, that's something we do at this church. We've done it for years now. And it's an awesome blessing. Helping hands or helping someone move, not, not a homeless situation, but helping someone move tomorrow, that's an awesome thing. We help one another. We need some help this week. I'm just throwing that out there. Yes, that's where we can be like Jesus in very simple, practical ways. But I'm going to tell you that we must end on this note. To be like Jesus and to truly reflect Him means that I will reflect all that He is. I will give Him all of the glory. I will honor Him with my life so that others may honor Him as well. Amen? Now, we're going to end with a condensed version of that beautiful song, Forever and Ever. And I've got a feeling that when we begin to sing this one more time, and we begin to lift our hearts to God, we're going to end this service today with a beautiful time. We've been doing it all service long of exalting Jesus Christ. Would you like to do that? Would you like to give him the preeminence right now? Would you like to, with one voice, say, we honor Jesus Christ? 
May our lives and our words reflect all that he is. Would you stand with me as we sing it again? All of creation Singing the song of the Lord Echoing heaven Yes, praise God We join the angels as they sing Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, His presence is here. We join the angels and sing. I want to hear you sing it from your heart. thinking it or the way I'm feeling it but I would say that in all of your life the complexities sometimes the confusion sometimes the ups sometimes the downs sometimes the fears and sometimes 
the doubts and the things that battle against you and the things that want to enslave you. I understand, oh my goodness, the so much that comes, comes our way in life. And as a follower of Christ, we feel sometimes battered and sometimes, you know, you know what I'm trying to say in that regard. But here's something that is absolutely foundational and anchors me. And as long as this is my anchor, it's going to be okay. You know what that anchor is? Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. There are things I might not understand, prayers that don't get answered, things that I didn't think would work out that way. And you know how life can be sometimes. And hey, life is wonderful. I hope I'm not portraying just a totally negative sense of life. But life is real and sometimes raw. But here's something that trumps all of that. Here's something that holds me together. Here's something that gives me purpose and direction in life. Jesus Christ is my God, my Lord, my Savior. I serve Him. He has preeminence in all things. That assures me. That's my foundation. That's my solid rock. Everything is going to be okay. Because that truth anchors me. Have you... Listen carefully. Have you made that truth personal to you? You can do it right now as we pray. Would, we, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I make you my Lord and Savior. You're the rock upon which I stand. You're central to my life. My life is lived only on the basis of following Christ. You called me, you saved me, you redeemed me. You put your spirit in me. Lord, we make that truth personal. For anyone here right now, Lord, who's been contemplating, maybe right now we can say, Jesus Christ, be my Lord. Jesus Christ, be the director of my life. I give you preeminence. I I surrender all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now if you prayed that prayer, you mean it. You need to talk to somebody. You need to find somebody to encourage that and walk with you. Because certainly there are folks who will. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Are you going to have a great week this week? Let's go out and be like Jesus in the world. Can we do that? God bless you.